And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Alpharetta Tech Talk. I'm John Ray, your host. And folks, we're not back in our studio inside Renaissance Bank quite yet, but we're looking forward to getting back there uh, one of these days. In the meantime, if you need a more personal experience for your bank, if you are tired of automated voices and 800 numbers and all the things that come with some of the big mega banks and the way they deal with small businesses, uh, try Renaissance bank, give them a try. Uh, they're big enough to be able to offer all the services you need. And they're, they've got 200 offices across the South waiting to serve you, but they are small enough to understand people and believe in people and deal with people one-on-one. So if you go to one of their, Go to renaissancebank.com, find the local office near you, call them, somebody will answer the phone. Imagine that. And uh, they'll be glad to make an appointment with you. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Mike Pink. And Mike is the CEO of Smart PM Technologies. Mike, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And uh, for those that don't know, you and your company, why don't you give us an overview, how you're serving folks out there? Sure, absolutely. Um, my company is called Smart PM Technologies. What Smart PM Technologies does is it analyzes data uh, that's available in, in the construction industry for construction projects. Uh, and it takes that information and it does all the magic behind the scenes to tell you what it all really means. And the whole reason we do this is to help people better manage their large commercial construction projects to eliminate, you know, overruns related to waste delays, uh, and, and, and even disputes. Mm. Big problems you're solving there, uh, for sure. Uh, I guess talk about maybe the, the genesis of the idea, uh, Mike, your background, how you got to where you, you wanted to form a company that solved this problem. Sure. Uh, I, it all started about, let's say, 20 years ago when I graduated Georgia Tech, got my first job. Uh, I was an industrial engineer looking for a, you know, a job in supply chain or logistics, and I didn't find that job. Uh, I found a job up in New York uh, working at KPMG, which is a large accounting firm, and it had some consulting uh, advisory services practices. Uh, and the job I got was in construction consulting. Uh, and, you know, most of what we did was help people argue, uh, help people argue their way out of overruns and delays between the parties. And, you know, that's a big problem. Uh, a lot of people spend a lot of money on construction. Most projects are at least 10 percent over budget. They're always delayed and there's all sorts of um, financial issues because of it. And people would hire consultants to help them argue help them you know point the finger or figure out who's responsible and really my job was to step into a project that I'd never been a part of grab all the data reconstruct that data uh, and analyze that data to go back to the parties who were there the whole time and tell them why did this happen um, and and tell them with such thorough detail that they could actually you know argue it in court mm. um, so really that was the genesis of you know, my career, uh, what I saw there, given that I was an industrial engineer and, um, and, and industrial engineers are generally people who want to eliminate waste. I saw a lot of waste. 
Uh, I, I thought it was crazy that people were waiting until all the chips, all the cards had fall and all the chips had landed and, and realized that, you know, we're 10% over budget and we don't even know who should pay for it. You know, I was thinking this is a major inefficiency and it really piqued my interest. Um, you know, I started thinking about ways that we could eliminate that problem, not just ways that I could be better at helping people navigate through court. Uh, I didn't like the idea that I couldn't help the problem. I was just facilitating a discussion. Um, so, yeah, I, I started to study it, started to really embrace the data. You know, I got a good look at the data. Um, you know, when you walk into a construction project at the end and you have to reconstruct all the data and understand what it all really means, you get a pretty good handle on, you know, what data is typically available. Uh, and I started to think about, well, how could we use this data that is available typically to ultimately control this problem? which was basically the genesis of me saying, how can we build a software to analyze data to minimize risk? Uh, mm. And that that's really, you know, started thinking about it and had a lot of good ideas. And then it started to consume me. Uh, it started to own my brain. Uh, <laughs> every project I got into, I was like, I really got to build this software. Uh -huh. And that went on for years until my wife told me, just go do it. Mm. <laughs> that's when I quit my job and, started building the software. So who is your client? Who it's interesting. I'll tell you, yeah. uh, originally, um, we thought construction companies can benefit from this information. Mm -hmm. Uh, they manage the job. They should be understanding this data. Uh, they don't necessarily understand this data. Uh, and, and we started trying to sell the contractors, but we realized that actually contractors at first didn't realize there was a problem. You know, when, when problems happen, um, you know, they discuss them and they deal with them, but you know, the overrun doesn't go away. It just gets dealt with, hmm. um, you know, whether the owner pays for it or whether they pay for it or whether the subcontractors pay for it, somebody pays for it. Construction is, is, is complex. It's challenging. Uh, so yeah, naturally the contractor sits in the middle of all that, but they're not necessarily the only customer we have. We do have contractors who manage risk. Uh, but we also have owners who feel uh, as though they don't really know what's going on on their projects. So we provide owners visibility. So owners will buy our pro product to make sure that they feel like there's an objective opinion weighing in on the performance of the job mm. uh, and identifying risk because, you know, most of the time there's a lot of biased opinions from the contractor. Uh, so we sell to contractors and owners. Uh, in addition to that, we started selling to insurance companies. Uh, insurance companies who insure that risk uh, of overruns, delays, you know, defaults, that sort of thing, are usually asked to pay claims. Uh, being able to see that ahead of time and help avoid that problem, they they can they can get from our product. And then the people that actually do the consulting that I used to do, uh, they buy our product too. So we actually have four customers. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, I want to get back to something you said about the the most projects have something like a 10% overrun um yeah. on average quantify that because that that 10% sounds a little innocuous but something tells me that that adds up to thousands and millions of dollars depending on the size of the project right it's a trillion dollar problem globally <laughs> even more yeah yeah it represents over 1% of the global gdp Wow. Um, 
Yeah. So construction in general, you know, people put budgets together. And if you if you look at the overall commercial construction industry and you look at what budgets were and what they ended up um, holistically, there's a 10 percent overrun. Now, different sectors have different levels of uh, risk and, and overruns. On average, you know, a, a mega project in the billions actually is a much higher risk of a higher overrun. So mm. billion dollar projects can be 200 million over budget. Uh, and then even, you know, down to the $10 million jobs, you know, that same risk is there. Uh, you know, when you're managing without understanding of all the interactions of the parties involved and what that means financially, uh, the, the number does add up. But it is across the board from a bathroom getting renovated to a um, stadium being built. Uh, there is, you know, this risk of overruns and pretty much it's always, you know, it's pretty much accepted that in construction, the budget is the starting point. Mm. Folks, we're here with Mike Pink and Mike is the CEO of Smart PM Technologies. Um, so Mike, I would think that you've got uh, technology here that, you know, there's some technologies that disintermediate, that create job loss, that create you know, uh, some, some externalities that are hard for some parties to buy into, but it sounds like you've got technology that everybody has an incentive to buy into here. All your, all all the different constituencies, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a big giant pain point in the middle of all those people. Um, (laughs) you know, they all sit there and they all want to build a building. Uh, you know, this building's being built. It could be for, you know, for anything. It could be for a business to make money usually, or a football team to play football, but all of it is an asset. Mm. And it is usually uh, people get into these projects together to, you know, generate revenue to make money. uh, And they cost a lot of money. Uh, So everybody's at risk, you know, owner hires a contractor to build this vision that they have. Uh, The insurance company gets hired to ensure that, you know, risk is minimized as best as it can be through various uh, insurance vehicles, uh, but they are on the hook, you know, in, in the event any of those problems happen. Uh, and then the consultants come in and, and help, you know, be the eyes and ears of the data, uh, whether it's in real time or if it's after the fact. Um, so all of them are sitting in the middle looking at these situations and, and, and can benefit from data. Uh, the owner, the contractor, and the insurance companies are more about managing proactively to minimize that risk. And the consultant on the flip side is about doing a good job. Uh, but really at the center of it all, and the, this whole problem that we have spent years studying and solving uh, is, is just a lack of understanding and an ability to get to an understanding in a short amount of time at a, in a way that all the parties can agree to. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about I guess construction technology generally, you're you're sitting right at the center of that, and how the the whole world of analytics plays into the development of that technology. Uh, talk a little bit about that and what you see. Sure, um, construction is notorious for being the the last party uh, to the dance of technology. Um, you know, it's, there's very many reasons for that, but generally speaking, my opinion isn't that 
people are ignorant. It's that the industry is different than most. Uh, there's so many different moving parts and pieces, so many different entities involved um, with different differing uh, object objectives and differing systems and differing ways of doing things and different risk. Um, and they, you know, all come together into this world where there's a lot of moving parts and pieces and people, um, until cloud technology became a thing, you couldn't actually do a good job with technology and construction. In my opinion, by putting things onto computers and having thousands of people, disconnected from each other in that regard until that all got connected, which was only made possible through cloud technology, the industry was sort of unable to proceed uh, and, and actually really achieve the heights that it could with technology. So that came, you know, about 10 years ago, I think was the time where technology really started to take off in construction. Uh, prior to that, you know, there was some technologies, desktop-based technologies like schedules and accounting systems. But really, when we're talking project management systems, that didn't start until about 10 years ago. Uh, and prior to that, everything was like done with paper, uh, you know, paper daily reports and paper payment applications and design drawings, paper. Everything was paper. And I used to have to go dig through boxes and boxes of paper to collect all sorts of data to analyze. Uh, but that's all changed. Like once the project management system started to take off, all that data became electronic. Uh, so now they spent the last 10 years mastering how do we build a project management platform that really assists the project management process from a transactional perspective, you know, making everybody's day to day easier and easier, information transfer easier and easier. That sped up the decision making processes. Um but really where we're at now is now that the data is there, what, what can you do with all that data? Sure. Uh, and that's where I think the next wave is happening in the industry is, you know, what we can now figure out what we didn't know when all that data was sitting in boxes over the last decade or the, I'm sorry, the last century. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, I think that it's a very interesting spot. I'm seeing that, you know, obviously, there are a lot of technologies that came out in the last 10 years that, that do facilitate a better project management process. But we're starting to see now the technologies, new technologies coming that analyze data in different ways, um, that, that leverage that data in different ways. We're starting to see AI enter into the equation and machine learning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of like if I, sort of like the wild, wild west a little bit, you know, a lot of, you know, the industry has been doing things their way and each different, you know, company does things a little bit differently and trying to understand and, and take all of that and turn it into standard practices and best practices is, is, is an interesting process. Uh, but we've luckily, you know, the people who work at Smart PM spent our time in doing creating the analytics that we got paid money to do manually. And now we're automating that. So we, we spent the decade before, you know, the last 20 years, the decade before technology was even a thing, you know, basically working and creating these best practices. Uh, you know, I worked at Deloitte for a while and, you know, that's where those are the kinds of firms and the people that are the creators of best practices. Now mm -hmm. there's groups and organizations out there who, you know, agree to these best practices who we're in tune with as well. Uh, so, yeah, we we are at an interesting time where I think that, you know, construction where most people would think can't be like manufacturing, can't be systematized. Um, it's too 
uh, the projects are too different. Well, I think that we're starting to see a change in that mentality that there are analytics that you can get that will tell you how things are going using the same data sets captured the same way, such that once you collect all that information and, and, and do it again on the next one and do it again on the next one, we we start to see the ability to understand construction at levels that have never been seen before. And it's all through analytics. Yeah. And how much of that is getting you to where you're able to be predictive as opposed to just diagnosing what happened? Because it sounds like that's really how, how your company started. You diagnosed the problem, right? And how who who was responsible for that problem. But it sounds like you're getting to where you can predict some of those issues beforehand. Do I yeah, have that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, to be quite honest with you, as a consultant, you know, just collecting data on a project by project basis, like let's just say that I got hired to work on a given project. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we weren't always hired at the end of the day. We were sometimes hired in the middle. Mm. Um, you know, there's enough moving parts and pieces on these projects to be able to see patterns. Mm. And those patterns can be, you know, utilized to forecast, you know, potential risks, uh, even just on a project basis. So, yeah, prior to even starting this company, there were there were processes that we followed where we could be act pretty accurate from a predictive standpoint on a project. But you have to the project would have to move to a certain percentage of progress to be able to trust the data. So you couldn't just wake up on day two of the job and go, oh, I foresee all these problems. Mm. You'd have to be seeing the companies interact with each other and seeing what sort of issues were occurring in those interactions early on in the job and then extrapolate. Um, So that's always been there. Uh, You know, even if you were just using spreadsheet technology, you can do that. But what's happening now and you're exactly right, is the predictive nature of these analytics is getting just greater and greater to a point where we could take a design and look at it in a location at a certain time of the year uh, and understand, you know, what what will likely happen given what we've seen in our data set on a thousand similar projects. Mm. You know, that's never been available. Mm. You know, companies have had that available in the minds of the people. So when they sit in a room and they come up with estimates and schedules, they're all it's educated guesses based on their experience. But what's missing from that equation is an understanding of the interactions of all the parties, which, you know, you can collect for the first quarter of the job and utilize. But we'd rather be able to tell you, you know, before you even get started, what should you expect? What should you expect in terms of timelines, budgets, you know, what's going to be driving this job? What are the risk issues? How do you manage those risks? If those risk issues happen, what does that mean? And then you can go work backwards to correct those problems. So that's really what I believe rapid analytics, which we do moving into AI and machine learning, which we're getting into um, just now. uh, It's really what's going to provide for us the ability to do what the industry's always wanted to do is give me some certainty. Mm. Wow. A big word for the construction industry, which is a well and welcome word, right? Um, Well, it's a, it's a, it's a welcome word, but it's one of those words that they go, yeah, right. You can't do that. (laughs) Right. But that's my challenge. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Great work here from uh, Michael Pink. Uh, Mike is the CEO of smart PM technologies. So Mike, I'm, I'm, uh, you mentioned AI machine learning. 
talk about the, some of the how the how those trends affect the construction industry. Uh, draw that out for us a little more. Sure. And actually, they're very controversial words to begin with. You know, they're thrown around left and right mm-hmm. in most industries, and now it's starting to be, you know, a popular term in construction. Uh, is you know, let's use artificial intelligence and let's use machine learning and the technologies that are going out there, you know, throwing that word around. Mm-hmm. But really, the the way that artificial intelligence and machine learning really works is by taking data sets and then training in multiple sets of data and training them to react to pattern, collect patterns and then react to those patterns. So AI isn't just here. I'm going to throw a bunch of information into a computer and then tell, see what it tells me. Uh, it's more like here's a bunch of data sets that are somewhat consistent and I'm going to drop them into a computer. And as a human, I'm going to teach this computer how to read it and train it on how to take this data and tell me things about it using what I know as best practices. Um, and I'm going to do that over and over and over. And I'm going to collect more and more and more data. And, mm. and that's really where you start to see more and more certainty. Now, the one thing that I believe that the industry has been missing on the AI standpoint is the fact that it, you know, in order to do that well, at least from a project management perspective, the system has to be complete. Um, And when I say the system has to be complete, it's a system of interactions of parties and the data that supports that, um, which is only embedded in the schedule. You know, there's a project schedule and the way that those, and, th- and this is what I learned as a consultant. That's the only data set that time and time again, I was able to utilize to understand, you know, both risk and, and, and be predictive with that risk on a project by project basis. So, you know, up until now, you know, anybody that's used the word AI on, on things related to managing disputes and, and, and overruns and delays, I sort of sat there and said, you know, you're kind of missing the point here because, you don't have the system that's fully connected into one hole that you're studying yet, which would be the schedule. Uh, and that's really where we started. Um, you know, my industrial engineering days at tech told me that in order to analyze and make a system better, you've got to have the data set that shows you the system and how it's connected. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to like a manufacturing facility. You know, back in the day, Toyota came up with the lean manufacturing model, but really what they had to do is take a holistic look at the facility to see, you know, how how parts and pieces were interaction with machines to build and ultimately build a car um, and, and then figure out where those bottlenecks were. So that's what we util, utilize the schedule for is understanding those bottlenecks. But yeah, I see that, you know, once you unlock, unlock the power and the, and, 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 and the data in the schedule and you're able to connect all parts and pieces into one whole, and then you're able to analyze it over and over and over and you associate different factors to each data set, like type of project, size of project, location of project, you know, duration of project, you know, manpower for project, all that stuff, you're going to be able to start to let AI help you manage. Um, now, AI can be utilized in different things um, and it can be u- it can be defined in different ways. But the way that I look at it is how do you take a computer and mass amounts of data to help manage the biggest problem that the industry has? And that's overruns and delays. Mm. Yeah. So I've got to ask the question that um, 
I can't have a show now without asking this question about COVID-19 and how that's impacted um, your industry, the construction industry, and then you and how you service that industry. Talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, some of the challenges that you have overcome and what you see ahead. Sure. You know, leading up into now, or I'm sorry, not now, March of 2020, uh, the industry was humming along. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of projects going on. I think it was some of the best economic conditions we've seen in construction since, you know, as, as long as I can remember. Um, and that all changed real quick. Uh, you know, when COVID happened, you know, all of a sudden, you know, obviously supply chain issues happened um, and, you know, projects stopped and, you know, those challenges occurred, there was impacts and whatnot, and there'll probably be a lot of, um, you know, litigation because of it. But the real issue that I see that happened because of COVID is it, it sort of stopped development in its tracks. Uh, and, and when I, what I mean with that is, you know, the whole world changed a little bit, you know, people stopped going to their offices. Um, a lot of people have moved out of cities. Uh, you know, the home buyers market out of cities is, is pretty big because I think that more and more people are realizing that they don't necessarily have to go to the office every single day. Mm. And now if you think about the effect of that, you know, all the development companies that were building those offices are now not sure if they're going to still build those offices. Um, you know, simultaneously, you know, the developers who build multifamily housing units in major cities, you know, apartment buildings you know, people are moving out, their vacancy rates are going up and a lot of projects are going into a halt. So the industry that was just going along just fine and the construction companies were growing and growing and, you know, there was more work than there were even contractors. It's sort of changed a little bit. So next year we're going to see probably a 10 to 20% hit across most sectors in construction in terms of the amount of project starts and dollars being pumped in, which, which means there'll be an immediate impact on construction companies. Mm. So prior to COVID, we were selling mostly to owners. You know, owners were the ones who were more at risk. You know, the contractors have the leverage when the market is good to basically say, yeah, well, if you're not happy working with me, I'll go find the next job. Mm -hmm. But now now that that's changed, owners are now scaling back on their investments because they're not exactly sure what's happened to the economy and how does that affect their business. Whereas contractors know that there's a chance that they're not going to make as much money in the next couple of years than they originally planning. You know, a lot of projects have stopped. Um, so, you know, what we've been doing is understanding that, you know, since we sell to multiple parties, you know, when, when the economy shifts, uh, we can think about who's going to benefit and who's going to, who, who's going to have the most pain and for what reasons. Uh, you know, there's also the the type of projects and, 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 and what happens in those projects. You know, the other thing that COVID did is throw a wrench into construction at, for the projects that are going today to a point where there will be overruns and delays related to it. Uh, it's just hard to quantify that, especially when we're talking millions of dollars mm. uh, to figure out who's responsible for paying for that, especially when contracts are fairly broad. So, you know, we can walk into a project at any point in time and tell you what the data means. So we would shift our focus to how did how did COVID impact your job and how does that translate to dollars instead of just the project's late and it cost us this much money. You know, when a, when a contractor just goes and asks for a lot of money and time, 
you know, the owner usually sits there and says, well, we have to make sure that what you're telling me is true. So the, the types of engagements that we would generally be useful in today is more on the dispute side. But as we think forward into a year, we're not, we know that con- construction companies are going to need to start doing more with less. They know that they're going to have to start managing their risk better. Uh, particularly because who knows how long COVID is going to be impacting that. And that really just makes budgets uncertain. So we just, we look at the market, we understand the needs of the customer. We all come from that world, different parts of it. Uh, You know, some of us were consultants, some of us work for contractors, some of us work for owners, some of us work for all three. Uh, So we, we, we put ourselves in the minds of the potential buyers. We think of it from their world. What, what are they thinking right now? What is this, industry look like it's happening how does that affect you know from a macro level how does that affect you know the industry and then we approach you know how can our tool help that mm. how can our tool help contractors how can our tool help owners can it still help owners you know right now we're we're not really we know developers aren't making purchasing decisions on software because they have bigger problems on figuring out what projects to keep mm. uh, but we do also know that contractors are seeing this, you know, I need to do a better job of understanding these impacts. I need to do a better job of managing my risk next year to, to, to stay in business. Um, and we have, you know, the ability to help them there. So we, we craft our message around the times and COVID definitely really turned the industry upside down from my perspective. Mm. Uh, you know, you, fascinating work you've done and I um, would love it. Uh, Mike, if you could share uh, a success story, don't have to mention any names uh, if that's not appropriate, but uh, success story of a client uh, experience uh, that you're particularly proud of. Yeah, I'll tell you one of my most proud moments was recently, you know, when, when, when COVID hit being in a startup, you're sitting there wondering, okay, uh, next big challenge in my life, you know, as a startup founder, you always know that things could come out of left field and you got to be nimble and you got to move quick and you got to stay on top of it. And you've got, you know, usually a shoestring budget to manage through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not continuing to sell, uh, you know, your lifeblood is going away. So, you know, there was a lot of concern when that first happened. Um, but through that, we found that, you know, we were able to, to understand the market. We were able to understand our customers. We were able to help our customers when they were in need, even without selling our product. Um, and through all that, we've seen quite a bit of expansion. Um, you know, customers began to trust our product. Customers began to leverage the, the, the analytics to make better decisions. And since we are a startup, we do have what, what's called a land and expand model. You know, you, you talk to a customer, you tell them how, how this product can help them. They're not going to run back to their boss and say, hey, I need to buy this for every project. They're going to say, Sounds awesome. I'm going to try it out on these five projects uh, and then I'm going to go from there. But, you know, we've had a couple customers, one in particular, one of the largest CM customers that we have, an ENR top 20 uh, CM firm has, you know, in a short amount of time, pre-COVID is, you know, they, they signed up in February on five projects and now they just signed a deal to roll it out on all 200 projects that they're managing, mm. you know, knowing that next year, you know, they, they want to do better in analytics. They're understanding analytics. Our product has been, you know, that thing that they were looking for, you know, 
and to a point where, you know, they've been approached by a lot of our competitors. Um, and we don't have many, but there are competitors out there that are looking for their business. And they told, you know, some large billion dollar companies that they chose Smart PM to do what that company was trying to sell to them. So I was very happy about that. So in six months time with one client, you know, we've got 50 now to work with, but one in particular, you know, moved real quick to enterprise. They, they saw the value. It aligned with their interests. They, 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 they had a great experience from the moment we started working with them. The product was intuitive enough for them to manage on their own, which by and large was our biggest challenge, uh, you know, taking very specialized consulting services that I offered and then pulling it into a product that doesn't require a guy like me to run. That was the proof, you know, that we needed. Uh, and now we're really just moving in that direction with our client bases. How do we get, how do we get this expansion? But we needed that, we needed that case study to prove to our other customers that there are people out there that see the value. We have trained them up. They are utilizing it the way that we've designed it to be utilized and they have decided to roll it out across the board. So that was, uh, that's my favorite experience to date. Wow. That's a great story. Love it. Um, so as a startup, uh, all startups have needs that go beyond just more customers. Uh, maybe you can talk about what the the future holds here over the next, uh, several months, a year or so, and talk about some of the, uh, needs and additions that you are looking for. Absolutely. Um, you know, Atlanta's an interesting market uh, to have a startup in. Um, you know, back five years ago, you know, I didn't know what challenges I was going to face. And I didn't think that there would ever be a, a you know, a recruiting issue uh, right here, right now. You know, we need developers uh, more than anything because, you know, we want to accelerate our product. We want to get into the AI and the machine learning. We have 50 customers giving us wonderful ideas on how to enhance the use of our product, make it easier, make it better, do, you know, different analytics that they need. You know, we're, we're in the minds of these customers and we've got, you know, two very talented developers. Our CTO is the smartest guy I've ever met. And he does a lot. If you looked at our product, you'd be shocked to see that only two people really have are, are, are building this thing. But, you know, as we grow into bigger organizations and bigger opportunities, we need to find that development talent. Uh, so that's number one. Any Atlanta developers that are looking for, you know, a, a company that's on a very good growth trajectory and interested in AI and interested in being a, a lead architect, definitely reach out. Um, simultaneously, you know, finding resources for customer success is another thing uh, we, we chose to um, be very specialized in, in, in how we approach our customers. They need to understand the customer. They need to have lived the customer's life uh, and, and need to understand, you know, basically the foundational understanding of schedule analytics to be a customer success person. So that's another place that we're looking and we're having a hard time finding it here in town. We are starting to look outside of Georgia, which I'm not too happy about because I like a cohesive team sitting in, you know, Together, even if we're, you know, sitting on Zoom meetings and whatnot, we can still meet in the office. We can still collaborate. Mm -hmm. I think that that interpersonal relationship is an important thing. But that being said, COVID has sort of proven otherwise, uh, in my opinion, because we've been pretty productive not sitting in the office on certain days. Um, and other than that, yeah, we're we are um, about to 
probably raise a growth round um, right now uh, and to invest in these people. Uh, we're also needing to invest in salespeople uh, and business development people because our pipeline is bigger than we can handle. Mm. Uh, so we're in a place of growth and I'm excited about that. But then my next challenge is how do I fill it with rock stars? And that's <laughs> what I'm looking for. That's awesome. So rock stars get on the phone with uh, Michael Pink here. Um, and uh, to that end, um, I'm sure there are folks that might've heard this uh, that do want to connect in some way hopefully a few uh, potential customers too. Uh, Mike, tell them how they can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, feel free to reach out to me directly. My, uh, my email is M pink, Michael pink, M P I N K at smartpmtech.com. And if you want to check out our website, it's www.smartpmtech.com. And if you want to give me a call at the office, our number is 404-329-3000. And absolutely, yes. If you're in the construction industry working on any job, large commercial jobs or if you're, you know, an owner hiring a contractor, or if you're even in an insurance company, you know, we are definitely providing a level of visibility and objective analytics that the industry's craved for a very long time. Wow, this has been great. Uh, Michael Pink, uh, CEO of Smart PM Technologies, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely, John. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, folks, just a, uh, quick reminder that, uh, if you've got some headaches that you need help with that involve administrative tasks, uh, accounting, marketing, uh, I've got an answer for you that involves picking up the phone and calling chief executive angel, SES Cabido. Now she's the head of office angels and she's got a whole team of angels that, fly in, get the job done and fly out. And they work on an ongoing or as needed basis. And they've been working virtually for 20 years. So a COVID-19 environment does not scare them. Uh, so, uh, give SE a call 770-442-9246. Explain your problem and she can help diagnose and answer for you. Uh, or go to officeangels.us for more information. Uh, just a quick reminder as we wrap up here, uh, I, an archive of our show, Alpharetta Tech Talk, can be found on alpharettatechtalk.com. Imagine that. Uh, you can find a, our complete archive of shows. We've had some great uh, entrepreneurs like uh, Mike that have been on uh, our show. We'd love it if you would check out that um, uh, archive and also uh, connect with us on social media. Uh, North Fulton BRX, which is our uh, home studio. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at that handle, North Fulton BRX. So for my guest, Mike Pink with Smart PM Technologies, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Alpharetta Tech Talk.